Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Julian Dulschmidt, who is VP of Business Development at Geoda Supply Chain Optimization. And today we're going to talk about tariffs and trade wars. Is anybody winning? Now, if you've been reading the news over the past few days, uh, you, know, you, you probably know that on September 1st, the U.S. is planning to impose new tariffs on imports from China uh, starting on September 1st. Uh, and that's on top of those that are already in place. And then, uh, you know, China looks to return to favor and they announced that they're going to impose tariffs on U.S. imports uh, also starting on September 1st. So this escalating, you know, trade war continues to add risk and complexity, you know, to supply chains in virtually all uh, industries uh, today. Um, you know, so what have been some of the business impact uh, so far? What actions can companies take to mitigate, you know, some of these uh, uh, challenges that, that they're facing? And, uh, you know, are there any positive outcomes from uh, all of these uh, activities? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to address in today's episode. And uh, it's great to have Julian back on the program to share his insights and perspective and experience on this topic. So, uh, Julian, welcome to the program. Adrian, thank you very much. It's great to be back on the show and uh, look forward to this topic. It's a very timely topic, as you know. Um, you can't go a day without reading new things that are going on in the, the world of tariffs and trade wars. So, uh, so yeah, I look forward to having this discussion. We certainly don't have all the answers. Um, and I think in addition to risk mitigation and all these other things out there, the biggest question out there is really the certainty or uncertainty of what's going on and what's going to happen. And I think uh, we can talk about it today, but we still won't answer that question because tomorrow it's going to change. <laughs> right. Well, as we've seen, you know, in this age of social media, all it takes is uh, for one tweet to kind of change <laughs> the direction in the stock market and everything else. So uh, you never quite know what's going to appear on Twitter. Uh, even as we speak here today, you know, things might be, uh, might be changing. Exactly. Um, yeah, so like I said in my opening comments, you know, both the U.S. and China, you know, are planning to impose new tariffs on each other. Uh, so, you know, the first round, I guess, being September 15th, the next round, this, uh, I mean, September 1st, and the second round being on right. December 15th. Uh, but we, before we kind of focus on what's going to happen, let's take a step back and, and kind of assess the impact of, of the tariffs that are already in place. I mean, what has been, you know, the impact in terms of, you know, costs, jobs, imports, and, and so forth? And and which industries have been affected the most? Well, if you if you take a step back, it really goes back about a year, year and a few months. Um, you know, the first industries to really be affected by the tariffs were the steel and aluminum industry, washing machines, solar panels, things like that. Those were the first uh, first areas that got hit with the tariffs. And uh, quite honestly, it, it did create cost increases. So um, as we went through the year last year, companies such as Ford, Motor companies said that they incurred over a billion dollars of additional costs, primarily due to the, the tariffs. Um, you know, the, uh, the steel industry did, um, you know, benefit with some jobs. But uh, I read one article from Forbes recently that said for every job that was uh, added in the steel industry, 16 additional jobs were lost in, uh, as a result of the tariffs. So, uh, so many companies, um, you know, and if you look at the steel industry today, this year, their, their business isn't doing so well. You know, the, most of these companies, U.S. Steel, Alcor, others like that, their stock prices have been hit pretty significantly. And uh, companies are actually starting to lay off or, or slow down on production right now because overall, their, uh, you know, their economy is slowing down and their business is going down. 
Yeah, no, th those are great examples. I mean, and it started obviously there with the, you know, the steel and, and, you know, washing machines and so forth. But now, you know, over the course of the year, you've had, you know, additional tariffs. And now, you know, the ones that are coming up uh, in the pipeline are going to impact, you know, more consumer goods, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was really, you know, some of the concerns that, you know, uh, you know, companies and now economists and, and so forth are, are having because, you know, basically the breadth of these, uh, you know, and the reach of these tariffs is growing, you know, larger and larger, right? So Adrian, the, um, you know, again, the, the end of, at, up to this point, it's really been the industry, you know, industrial components and raw material providers, things like that, that have been affected or companies have been affected. The consumers really haven't felt it yet. Um, but ha having said that, uh, one of the other, you know, big results of, uh, or, or I guess consequences of some of the tariffs and the, and the oncoming trade war is, uh, you know, the farmers have been hit very hard and uh, they were the first to get hit significantly last year. And uh, they've been hit again this year as, as their business and as these tariffs continue to be high and their biggest market in the world is, has been virtually closed off to them. So they've suffered you know, as well as other companies this year, companies just recently, Caterpillar and Deer both said they, uh, they've lost over $100 million, or not lost, they've paid an additional $100 million in costs this year to manage the tariffs, and the year is only half over. So they've got more, more costs to come, and, and again, tariffs are going up. Uh, you know, one of the things I read this last weekend is the, you know, they, they are implementing new tariffs on September 1st and December 15th, but also in October, they're bumping the current tariffs up to 30% from 25. So, um, so it's, it's, it's not over, you know, there's a lot more costs that are being absorbed by businesses today that, uh, that aren't going to be able to be absorbed much longer. Well, that's, that's true. And, you know, coincidentally last week we uh, surveyed our Indago members. So you know, Indago is our community of supply chain logistics practitioners from, uh, you know, manufacturing retail distribution companies. Um, so if you go to joinindago.com, uh, you can learn more about it. So we, we surveyed them last week on what has been the impact of the China tariffs on your supply chain, uh, you know, costs. And 20% of our member respondents said that their supply chain costs have substantially increased. And another 60% said that they have moderately increased. So, you know, over 80% of those that of our members that responded to the survey said that, uh, you know, costs have either moderately or substantially increased, you know, over the past year as a result of this. So I think that's in line with, you know, everything you just said and some of the headlines that we're, we're seeing out there. Um, so, so from a supply chain standpoint, I mean, what, what's been the, 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 the impact as well? I mean, especially from a transportation and warehousing standpoint, what do you, what do you see in there? Yeah, that's a good question, Adrian. The, uh, you know, and it's surprising because you would think you'd see a, a big impact here. But surprisingly, we haven't. You know, we've seen uh, some downturn in overall volumes are down slightly. So on the import side, container volumes into the West Coast are down a couple percent. Uh, domestic trucking volumes are down a couple percent, but you're not seeing significant uh, downturns at this point. And some of that reasons is because of the uncertainty that the trade uh, or the tariffs create, companies are, are, you know, are actually bringing more inventory in. So if you look at uh, warehousing in Southern California in particular, you know, those warehouses are maxed out of capacity today. They are struggling to find any kind of capacity because co co companies have brought in the additional products they needed for the fall season. 
And now with the, you know, with the, I think the, uh, what was the headline I read this week, this weekend, Trump saves Christmas, um, where he uh, delayed the consumer taxes or tariffs until December. So companies are bringing in more and more of these products ahead of time and they're filling up the warehouses. So the warehouse business is actually a good place to be right now because you're able to get some pretty good premiums on your pricing and, and your warehouses are full. Right. So basically what we're saying is, you know, companies, you know, pulling in, you know, yeah, product that might have been, you know, so you can't create the spike in imports, if you will, or at least not, uh, you know, bringing in stuff earlier than they might have, uh, you know, in the past in order to beat out some of these, you know, some of these tariffs. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, mean, I will say one thing I will say, though, is that just recently in the last couple of months, the manufacturing PMI, you know, that's used to measure, you know, how much supply chain manufacturing activity is going on. That's actually now gone below the 50 level, if you will, which means we're actually not growing anymore. And so they're actually seeing overall supply chain activities, you know, contracting. Right. You know, sometimes it's, it's difficult to unravel, you know, all the, the factors that uh, go into, you know, some of these trends. But certainly you know, if you look at the transportation environment today in 2019, you know, very different than it was in, in 2018 where there was a lot, you know, uh, you know, capacity crunch and rates were at record high. And, you know, so things have definitely eased out, you know, in, in 2019. Some of that might be just, you know, um, you know, a, a slowdown in manufacturing. Some of it might be, you know, due to these tariffs. You know, it's hard to kind of tease out exactly what all the factors are. But, but certainly, um, you know, things are a little bit softer, if you quote unquote, uh, this year, particularly from a transportation standpoint than, uh, you know, than, than last year. Now, you, you mentioned, you know, companies like Caterpillar and John Deere that, you know, been in the headlines in terms of talking about the, the amount of tariffs that they're going to end up paying, you, you know, this year. Uh, I mean, how much money ultimately is the U.S. collecting on all these, you, you know, tariffs from, from U.S. imports that, that, are, that are already in place? And, you know, is, is the money collected greater than the costs associated with these tariffs? Uh, that's a, uh, another good question because there is obviously a lot of money being collected and uh, and more to come as new tariffs being are put in place. So if you look at the past year or so, about $63 billion of uh, tariffs have been collected, but uh, it's a little misleading because in the past, and, and we're referring just really to tariffs from China. Um, so if, if um, it's a bit misleading because in the past, we've always had tariffs. You know, there have been tariffs, small tariffs, 5%, 10% on a lot of different goods. So about $30 billion of this, uh, these tariffs collected are, are just ongoing tariffs and money that's been collected in the past. But if you look at the new tariffs, which they're saying, you know, 27, 30, 33 billion, somewhere in that range. And again, it does change a bit where you look and day to day as, as things change. But, um, you know, there is, you know, another, an additional 27, $28 billion of tariffs have been collected. Um, in June, in, in particular, we saw about $6 billion in new tariffs. So that's really becoming the new, the new level, if you will. So, you know, as we go forward, you'll see even higher tariffs being collected. But if you look in the past, um, yes, we've collected nearly $30 billion in tariffs uh, of new tariffs, but we've paid out about $28 billion because uh, last year, if you recall, the farm subsidies were $12 billion. And then more recently, another $16 billion were earmarked for farm subsidies. So, so we have paid out about, you know, what we've collected in new tariffs so far. Um, and then, you know, the question still is, you know, are we going to continue down the path of these tariffs? Are they actually going to come in play in September? I assume that one will, but what about December? So, you know, there is still some uncertainty around whether those tariffs will actually happen. 
You know, that, that's a good point. I mean, I think when you look at it from this kind of holistic, you know, perspective, and when you look at some of these ancillary costs, right? So yeah, you can see the increase in, in, in the amount that you're bringing in on the, on the new tariff side. But when you look at things like subsidies that we're giving to farmers, you know, you, they cancel each other out. And then when you look at some of the other costs that companies are incurring and, and so forth, um, I think it's, it's kind of looking at it from that holistic perspective that kind of gives you the big picture of, of whether, uh, you know, these things are having a positive impact or, or negative impact. And I, I think I'm, you know, I think from, from what you said and from my perspective is at best, you know, we're, we're breaking even here and, and more than likely, you know, the, the, the scales are tipped on the side of, uh, you know, this, this is a, a negative ultimately. Yeah. I mean, even if the farmers get their money and say they're, they break even, which, you know, I hear they're not, but say they break even on the, on the money, the, the bigger issue is the long-term losses that they're going to incur because longer term if uh you know if they if they don't have the markets they're going to grow less and they're not going to have the markets in the future if the tariffs go away for example they won't they won't be able to respond as quickly right right no i think um you know that's a great point because i mean there's the the short-term kind of impact and, and ramifications of all this but then there's also the long term right even even if this thing went away tomorrow you know, it's it's not like it's going to revert back to the way things were, you know, o overnight. I mean, there has been some, you know, longer lasting, you know, implications of this as well. Uh, so I'm sure that with your clients and the companies that you work with, um, I know with the shippers that I talk to, the manufacturers, the retailers, I, I know they're looking to their logistics partners as another source of, of uh, you know, number one, knowledge in, in terms of what we're doing here, in terms of helping them with ideas and, and actions that they can take to mitigate some of this impact. Um, I mean, what are you hearing from from your customers? I mean, what actions are they taking, or, or based on what you're we're doing, you're doing with other customers? Mm -hmm. I mean, what what can companies do uh, in response to this trade, you know, war? I mean, I mean, what are some of the challenges involved with some of those actions? Well, certainly the short term challenges are: can we uh, source products from different locations? So companies are coming to us saying, "Can you help us quickly respond?" to needs to ship from Vietnam versus uh, China and, and ship from other parts of the world. Um, but keep in mind, it's, it's tough to make those moves if you haven't put in the supply chain activities previously, in, in, in particular in manufacturing. You know, from a shipping perspective, we can provide great visibility and we have control towers that can help manage and change things and move things around very dynamically and very easily. But if you haven't put in manufacturing in different countries, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna be at, at a shortfall. Um, what we are seeing, you know, is certainly Vietnam, you know, shipments from Vietnam, imports from Vietnam this year are up 60%. Uh, I've been in the supply chain world a long time, and uh, uh, I question whether that's production that's up in Vietnam, or if you're seeing uh, shipments from China perhaps being rerouted somehow through Vietnamese com companies, you know. You'll, your guess is as good as mine on that one. Um, but, you know, in terms of just getting yourself in place, you know, one of the things that happened, you know, years ago, and I was a part of it too, I headed up a global supply chain for a company 15, 20 years ago, and we made a quick move to China with a lot of our manufacturing. Now, in some cases, you know, the businesses said, hey, I don't want to move it all there. Well, you know, today that's probably a smart thing because if you've got a balanced manufacturing, you know, you may be able to avoid importing more products from from China at this point in time, you know, handling it with your domestic production. 
Yeah, it's a great point, particularly around Vietnam. There was actually a great uh, article in the Wall Street Journal, you know, last week, specifically on, on Vietnam and how that's become a focal point for a lot of companies in terms of looking to source product from there or build a manufacturing base there. But the article really highlighted some of the constraints. I mean, you know, it you know it takes years sometimes to build out, or it took years to build out that strong labor, skilled labor base in China. You know, the supplier base in China and so forth. Yeah. Um, and that just isn't there in Vietnam right now in terms of the skilled labor force, the amount no. of suppliers, and, and you know all the ancillary things that you need to have a you know a great manufacturing sourcing <clears throat> base. Um, it, companies are moving there and they're starting to put that in place, but right. it's not you know that it, again it's not something you can just flick on the the switch and and immediately move your supply chain. It's something that takes months, if not years, you know, to fully you know to fully get there. No, you're you're so right. Those countries. Uh, need the infrastructure you know they need the port infrastructure they need the road infrastructure and rail infrastructure china has that all they you know they built it but they started 25 30 years ago and over time they've built a, an incredible infrastructure so companies that are sourcing you know highly unskilled labor to do you know apparel footwear those kind of industries probably can move fairly quickly but when you're talking about complex manufacturing and industries where you know you're investing a hundred million dollars in a plant to build something, you know those are the companies that are having pause right now because how can you recommend your board to uh, strategically place these kind of facilities and and invest this kind of money in your supply chain when there's so much uncertainty? No, correct, absolutely. So I mean, going off our title, I mean, is anybody you know winning here? I mean, any positive impacts to any uh, to all of us? Good question. You know, um, I'll tell you one area where we're getting a lot more uh, questions these days is in the area of trade compliance. People are coming to us and saying, hey, you know, so what do we do? Uh, you know, what what is the rule today? You know, what, you know, they're depending on us or counting on us to be up to speed with the latest and greatest of everything going on in the market. And we are. We're putting a lot more effort into that. You know, from our, our, our business at Geotis in the supply chain group, optimization group, you know, we manage the three central or regional control towers globally. So those control towers, we're continuing to educate these people on the latest and greatest of what's happening country by country. But uh, other people that are winning is, you know, companies that produce robots and artificial intelligence is becoming more important. Um, automated facilities. So as as companies are building out warehouses and you know e-commerce has certainly helped with this surge, you know the robotics industry is doing quite well because uh, a with the unemployment so low, uh, there there is you know there is not a lot of labor available in markets. So they are putting in more automation and, and uh, robots into the warehouse. You know consumers at this point haven't been affected either. So I don't know that they're winning. But they're certainly not losing yet because they haven't felt it in their pocketbooks. You know, most of the people, you know, the, the, the articles I've read over the past six months or years say, you know, these, the, the tariffs are going to affect consumers by about $1,000 a year in their pocketbooks on the average consumer. Well, that really hasn't happened yet because a lot of the consumer-related products keep getting delayed. You know, they were delayed from earlier this year. Now it's September, December. Um, so the consumer hasn't felt that yet. So. In a sense, they're winning while business is going through these uncertain times. You know, a couple of things that, that you said there kind of resonate with me. First is kind of this, this increased um, focus on an importance of trade compliance and knowledge in that area and skills and expertise in that area. And, and the fact that companies are coming, uh, you know, uh, to you and, you know, third-party logistics providers, you know, for that kind of insight and advice is, is uh, I think, is key. And it kind of resonates with, 
you know, I just, just today I, we published on Talking Logistics a post uh, that highlighted what we viewed as one good outcome of this. And, yeah. it's, and it was really raised by one of our Indago members in the comments where he's the International Trade Compliance VP. And he said that he is having conversations with executives at his company that he never had before. And it's basically elevating the role, his role within the company because he's now in the position of having to educate you know, sure. the, CEO, the CFO, people in manufacturing and you know, across the company about well, what these tariffs mean, what, what potentially can be done, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. And that's you know, drastically different than it was you know, 10, 15 years ago where I remember a, 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 a VP of compliance at a pharmaceutical company. She was completely frustrated. She, I remember her quote to this day. She said, a company would never think of hiring you know, someone in finance from just off the, you know, someone from, from just off the street and put them in, in finance. But that's exactly what they do in trade compliance. They just view it as paperwork. Um, and, and today, you know, any company that views trade compliance and, and everything that's happening in global trade as just paperwork, well, they're, they're setting themselves up for, for failure because obviously, you know, this is a, a, a very, um, you know, high level issue right now that's impacting the bottom lines of, of companies and the strategies that they, you know, take, uh, you know, moving forward. And then secondly, the robotics piece. I mean, companies are looking for any ways to mitigate the cost impact yeah. across their supply chain. And if they're able to, you know, save money on transportation or save money in warehousing, uh, and particularly in housing, we've seen the same thing. You know, the investments in automation and robotics in this whole area has been increasing. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and part of the, the driving force behind that is because looking, part is the part of what's happening in the labor market, but part of it is also, hey, you know what, we're, we're facing increased costs on this side of the equation. We got to find you know, ways to mitigate that on this other side of the equation, which is on, on the warehousing and, and, and distribution side. So, yeah. uh, you know, great, great feedback you know, there. I bet, uh, I bet CFOs are, are cuddling up close to their trade compliance people these days because, you know, they got to know, you know, do, okay, so do I put 10% of my P&L costs or do I put 25% and when do I do this? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big issue today, at, uh, you know, at the board level. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're in the a compliance business, uh, whether internally at a company or at a logistics service provider or, or a consultant, uh, you know you you are winning. You know you're definitely one of the winners in in, in this whole uh, thing. So uh, you know, Julian, yeah, we're running short on time here. So just as a way to wrap yeah. up, I mean, when it comes to ultimately successfully navigating the, the risks and uncertainties, you know, that we're seeing here in in global trade, I mean, what factors or attributes will ultimately separate the leaders from from the laggards? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's an uncertain question because it's, it's, you're uncertain about what's really going to happen. But, uh, you know, the ones that uh, have put in the alternative manufacturing that have uh, established uh, what I would call more regional production facilities and supply chains to support those regions, they're certainly going to have an edge on uh, what goes on in the future or they'll have the ability to avoid any cost increases due to the tariffs. Uh, if you're looking at outsourcing, uh, that can help some, um, but again, oftentimes it's it's really the production of where the products are produced that are going to just determine the you know the the amount of the tariff. Uh, visibility, having a lot of visibility can help, but uh, but again, it, it, it's I'm not sure that uh, you know with the uncertainty of where the tariffs are going to end and the fact that you hear, well, today it might be Mexico or it might be France or it might be the EU. We don't really know, you know, who's going to have, uh, you know, the tariffs affect them the most. And so it's a difficult time. So I, I'm not sure that I can tell you who's going to, 
you know, how you're going to be a leader in this, uh, you know, unless you've, you've, you've already established the, you know, the flexibility in your supply chain. No, great, great point. I mean, what I always tell folks is obviously in the morning, you got to stay informed of what's happening, right? And yeah. even though it's, you know, like we said at the beginning, you know, it, you know, just, just wait a minute and, and everything would change all over again. Um, but you have to stay informed of what's happening because it is a fast moving, you know, uh, environment out there. Uh, secondly, yeah. I think some of the things I've seen is just doing, you know, these what ifs analysis, right? And just right. doing some of this scenario planning, you know, because there is so many different scenarios that could happen. But at least running them out and simulating them and, and trying to figure out what impact some of these scenarios yeah. might have on your supply chain and, and what actions you, would, you could potentially take that you have some flexibility around. So at least doing that homework up front so that if and when one of those scenarios comes uh, true, you can then take you know, you know, appropriate action. I think that's an area where I think yeah. a lot of logistics service providers are helping their clients is in running those simulations and talk, and, you know, talk to your suppliers, talk to your logistics providers, you know, on a very regular basis because they are much closer to what's going on. Absolutely. Well, Julian, uh, you, you know, I always say that, you know, we always just manage to scratch the surface on these topics and we, we uh, but you, you did provide, you know, some great uh, insights uh, in terms of what's happening right now in the world of global trade and, and the, the trade war between the U S and China and, and kind of, you know, some ideas in terms of things that companies ought to be thinking about and maybe some actions they should be taking, you know, in response. So I, I appreciate you making the time to be with us today. No, nope, my pleasure, Adrian. Thank you very much. And I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on Talking Logistics or uh, at the uh, Geodis website and you've got a question or a comment for uh, Julian, uh, you can post it there and he, I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and I look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.